This podcast is brought to you by Balls of the E in association with Carry Out Off Licence, Ireland's number one independent off licence. You're very welcome to the Brent Pope Rugby World Cup show on Balls of the E with thanks to Carry Out Off Licences. I'm Mick McCarthy, joined back in studio by Brent. And Brent, I was hoping it would be a, a happier homecoming, but we're still, even though it's it's Wednesday afternoon now after Saturday, you know, and you're back from Japan, mm. we're still so down here. I don't know. Can you do anything to lift our spirits? Well, I can do a few things to lift your spirits. <laughs> First of all, I can... Uh, I suppose, talk about the fantastic atmosphere that was at that match. And I wrote something for Facebook that was been, you know, retweeted thousands of times about um, how gracious the Irish supporters were. And, and I mean that sincerely. I stood up in the front, of, in front of the bus after the match and I said, yes, there'll be greater days for, uh, for Irish rugby. And there will be. Um, but I think that the way that the Irish supporters um, stood around and clapped, the Japanese, you look behind you at rows of Japanese people, man, woman and child, tears streaming down their faces, some of them on their knees with just so much pride, the Irish hugging them, giving them jerseys, giving them um, the hurleys, whatever they have with them, and just the, the uh, sometimes sport transcends you to be a better person. Now I know there'll be the pe- people out there, the cynics and the critics will say, oh yeah, you know, it'll be like but the situation, you know, applauding a loss. It was nothing to do with what was happening on the field. It was to do with the way that the Japanese have, I suppose, embraced the Irish supporters over there. A lot of them going in and buying Irish jerseys. And it was just a show that they, the supporters can't do anything about what's on the field. They can only support their team. And it was just a wonderful moment. I doubt whether they'll have another game of that. Emo- I doubt whether I'll go to another game with that much... Uh, emotion involved in it yeah. to see people crying to see people see the japanese almost apologizing for, for for winning but also to see the pride in their face and for it to happen in japan yes it was unfortunate brian and we can talk about that and again what went wrong and 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 you know would have could have should have but at the end of the day the japanese won you know they were the better team on the day uh you can roll out all the excuses you want but um i think what was positive about it was the reaction by the by by the fans. Also on the positive slant, like in a sense, be careful what you want, what you dream or what you wish for is that old cliche. Because prior to this prior to this tournament, I was doing a lot of work with ex internationals, a number of them, and they all said to me, I was the only one on those panels that said, look, I believe that Ireland don't want New Zealand at a quarter final. They don't want them. People are saying, oh, yeah, you know, given this period in time and given that South Africa, the form team, all this, what we talked about in the first uh, in the first podcast, I didn't see South Africa being the form team. Everybody thought they were. Now, suddenly, all those same people change the tune. Oh, we want to avoid New Zealand now. We want to avoid New Zealand. Well, it could well be they get to play South Africa and New Zealand again. So nothing has changed in that sense. It's just the route has changed. Mm-hmm. And what people don't get is what has changed for me the most is – Tactics for a strategy. And what do I mean by that? You can have tactics for games, and all coaches will tell you this cliche that nobody believes that, oh, it's only about the next game, it's only about the next game. No, it's always about a longer-term play or a longer-term strategy. Joe Schmidt has been thinking, you know, whether subconsciously or whether he's not been admitting to his players, thinking about what are the two scenarios for quarterfinals, and he was probably, like all of us, thinking... It's going to be South Africa. So you have a game plan. You make selections like Gene Klein way back for that for that 
physicality game, that now changes. So what he's got to do is juggle two game plans uh, that he's not going to know who they're playing until the last week, until Scotland plays Japan. Yeah. And there's something happening. Look. It's out of our hands. Yeah. yeah. It's not being arrogant. It's not being egotistical to suggest that Ireland will still make the quarterfinal. They will still make the quarterfinal. You know, they'll defeat Russia and they'll beat Samoa and they'll make the quarterfinal. It's just who they play now. You know, two weeks ago, you could have pretty much put a pretty degree of certainty on it. You, you would have thought they would have accounted for Japan and you think you thought they would have topped the pool and with New Zealand already beating South Africa in the first match, you would have said, okay, that quarterfinal is more than likely going to be South Africa. B, you start planning for that match. You start saying, what are the selections for that match? How are we going to play them? We know we have to be a bit more creative because that's the way you beat South Africa as proved by New Zealand. New Zealand is a different strategy, a different tactical plan, because then you've got to say, okay, we've got to stop New Zealand creating. Mm. So he's only, Joe's only going to have a week to do that. And that's the problem as far as I see it. And that's something that not many people have mentioned, to be honest. That, yeah. You know, change of thinking within a week's time. Yeah. Let's go back. We'll talk a little bit more about all that. But I just actually, you were right to kind of bring up the, the atmosphere in the stadium yeah, and how amazing that was. And we should take our Ireland cap off for a minute and talk about, you know, the fact that you were there at such a historic occasion yeah. in Japan. For them to do that, like they obviously, they, it was brilliant when they beat South Africa, Africa four but years that was, ago. that was away from home. It, exactly. And this was here. For them to do that as like one of the most amazing sporting achievements in their country's history for the people yes. that were at that match for the journey of Japan rugby. I remember Ireland playing Japan, I think, in maybe... I think well, they New played Zealand, them in 87. Well, New Zealand but, beat them like 145 nil at one World Cup. Yeah. It's, it's, still, it's still the biggest scoreline, I think. You know, 145, how far they have come. And you're right, once you get immersed, so, albeit I'm not an expert on, on, on Japanese culture... But it's a lot of talk of warrior spirit. It's a lot of samurai. It's a lot of ninja. It's a lot of this is part of their culture. And Japanese people don't get to follow many sports because they're so, I suppose, you know, rugby's been based around the corporate structure. It's been erased around, you know, Panasonic or Sanyo and these clubs that more or less Japanese um, supporters a, f a few years ago would more or less told that that's your team and you go along on a Saturday, on your Saturday afternoon, your spare time, and you support your team, whether you like rugby or not. But what has happened over the last few years is that they've really adopted this as kind of, you know, obviously not their national sport or whatever like that as far as sumo and all that is concerned, but they've adapt, ad adopted this as an international sport that they can be a part of. And the people that were there from anywhere, from people that had saved up all their savings to go to that match, to bring their families to CEOs who were sitting next to, all in tears, all just applauding, because, my God, do they play like warriors. You know, yeah. Ireland can talk about the mistakes, but the way that the Japanese kept coming back, kept coming back, you know, I said on this podcast that, you know, I'm not saying that I would have predicted a Japanese win, but I, I, I did say that, you know, do not let them be at in touch at half time because they will stay in the game for as long as you let them. And that's exactly what happened. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but that's exactly what happened. Mm. From suddenly being maybe 15 or 18 3 up at half time when you would think that Jamie Joseph Warding having lost. His influential number eight might have thought about, oh, well, look, we're not going to risk a number of players in a game that yeah. we're not going to win. Suddenly, for that to turn around half time, what, 12 9? 12 9, yeah. Japanese playing in blocks, as I said, there would have of 10 minutes saying, hold on, it's 12 9. 
nothing's changed and now we're coming at them and an and upset is on and you you know it's an old cliche I use on the TV and people go listen to this I hear never give a sucker an even break and you know it, it, it proved that whereas someone like New Zealand would have possibly been more clinical taking their three points to something that was on offer and said like let's put them away first and then let's worry about that later put them away put them out the back gate get that two score cushion ahead and uh, and that's the way Japan would have played. Knowing Jamie Joseph well, he wouldn't have risked his quality players unless he thought that an upset was on. Mm. And Ireland gave them that chance. When you look at some of the players there, like, you know, you're talking about that spirit. We were talking to Scott Fardy at an event there recently, and he obviously spent three years yeah. over there. But you got the impression that the way the fans and the way the people there uh, have show so much respect, the way you're talking mm. about it, the way they get behind everything, that people players fall in love with it over there and you can see even in the naturalized guys that are playing on the japan team now like you saw thompson walking off the field looking like he could not take another step after like a heroic performance you know and these guys have like it it, it's not just a a job for them whatever they have they they're they're the right advertisement for the into the naturalization rule yeah because i was talking to luke thompson's parents um outside the gate before i went in and I said, how has he, uh, has he found it? And they said, well, he's been here for years and he's so immersed in the culture and he's so part of it. And when you go in and see, when you go in and see um, Japanese rugby players on crisp packets and on boxes of Pringles and that, their own players, because it's part of their culture, you know, that warrior spirit, as I said, pride, respect. I've never been to a country where they show you so much respect. You know, it, it, it's in everything they do. It's it's in the way they treat people. It's the way the volunteers ushered you into it. It was their organisational skills. That It was seamless going to those matches. Even from, you can't see any litter. There's no, they have pride in their country and the way it looks like. There's no graffiti. You didn't see any outward signs of crime. There was no litter on the streets. Um, you know, they, they don't, they think it's a, they think it's a kind of disrespect if you tip them. It's all this tied up around respect, and, and that's the way they played. Mm. And they will play the same way against Scotland, whether that's going to be good enough because Scotland will know what's coming. It's hard to say. Um, did uh, the heat play a factor? Yes, I did, but that was something I, again, warned Ireland of, I suppose, in the sense that the Japanese will be used to playing in those sort of humid conditions. And it is humid. For having been over there last two weeks or whatever, walking around, even on match days, even though the games are a bit later, you are sweating buckets and you do lose a lot of fluid. Uh, the ball yeah, what, what, what is that like? What is that oh, for a player? Is, is it the, it's exhausting. Is it the quick burst that you can't catch the air or is it the lack of fluid no, that your muscles aren't working? I, well, <laughs> I'm not a doctor. That may be another No, podcast. but sure, but in your experience. But the way so. you feel walking around the city and especially walking around the stadiums before... It was more the having to take on fluids all the time and more this exhausting, lethargic feeling. And I think that the description is, you know, sort of leg, leg weary. That thing where you, you just, you, you lack energy. You know, that, that was it more so than it being sort of stifling heat, dry heat, like you might get, say, in New Zealand or Australia, where you're just hot and, you know, your, your, face, is, your face is red and you're still energetic. You just, it, it's just hot. This is like... Humidity. You know, we've all we've all gone on those holidays when you got off the plane from Ireland, especially, and you've got your jeans on and that, and then suddenly you bump, you get in the hot hot mm. air, whether it's Dubai or Bangkok or these places, and you just feel 
feel suddenly you've got to go down and have a lay, lay down and a glass of cold water and get a good night's sleep. And that's how, that's how they feel. So I don't know what they were doing in the camp. I don't know. And I don't take too much... I don't take too much out of it, but I just know that it, it was very humid in the stadium. Um, add in the crowd, whether well, it just makes it, I mean, it must have been very humid on the pitch and playing the Japanese who are used to that. Yeah. Um, and the team being made up of Islanders, again, who are used to that. I'm not saying that's an excuse, but it is something to take into account in Islanders' performance. But again, you know, they're going to have to deal with that again. Exactly, you know, yeah. It's not, the they're next, not going anywhere else. Well, yeah. the, game, the, the venue in Russia is probably going to be more of a cake tin. It's just that it'll be Russia. Yeah, sure. You, know. they, you mentioned Scotland there. We'll try something else against Japan. In a weird way, it's hard to know how good Japan are, despite everybody yeah, being very impressed with them, because we played into their hands. And I think that's where I'm going next with the questions. I don't, we don't want to overanalyze this game because we've been talking about it for so long now. But I'd be interested in knowing what you think of it, because one of the things for me was someone like Jack Carter, you played so well in the first half. For him, you know, when Ireland were under the cosh and Japan were playing at 100 miles an hour and running at us and phase after phase yeah. after phase to not kill the ball instead Actually. of kicking it straight back to them. Or, you know, maybe Ireland not adapting to a referee who obviously wasn't on their side or was, uh, w- yeah. wasn't, you know. Why do you think Ireland are, for supposedly the number one team in the world or definitely in the top four or five teams yeah. in the world, how come we're not able to change on the fly? How come there isn't more than one game plan or more than one style of play? Because every other team, you've seen even Wales against Australia, they were able to change it up when they had to. It's know? always been a problem. It's a, it's a really good point. And as far as I've been covering Irish rugby, that has always been a problem. Uh, when to go to um, phase B, when to change the game plan. And Ireland would always, have always struggled that because a lot of the times over the number last number of years, they've kind of played slightly by numbers, meaning that they know what they should do in a certain position rather than sometimes playing what's ahead of them at first, you know. Um, but you're right. It's a lot of responsibility to heap onto the shoulders of a, of a young, um, inexperienced out-half. And I think when we talked about last week about Johnny Sexton, um, Ireland really needed the brains trust back. They needed someone to, 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 to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and say, OK, look, let's go back to what was working in the first mm. 10 minutes. We're a little bit rattled, but we're still ahead. Let's thread the balls into the corners. Let's get our defence right. Yes, that was sometime, at times, I suppose, they couldn't come off the line. Joe Schmidt was probably right in the sense that a couple of refereeing decisions went against them on an offside situation. So straight away you take a step back so you're a bit less likely to rush up and, and stifle the Japanese attack. That's not taking anything away from the fact that the Japanese kept coming at it. They looked to be the team that was, in fact, creating a lot. Even in the first half, I did think, oh, Japan are creating a lot of space yeah. here. And their front row had a magnificent on, on mass had a magnificent game. I think superb. the tide, the, the the momentum change in two on, on two major occasions. One when they scrummed Ireland off the ball. Yeah, literally. and second when I think their captain uh, Michael Letch came on. I I just think that was the difference between Johnny Sexton coming on and a captain that came on and said, "Hey, this is the way that we play it. We have them rattled in these areas." We're not necessarily going to kick to touch. We're going to try to run them off their feet. To a situation where Ireland lacking a bit of leadership on the field, mm. uh, a few players trying to scramble a bit for their own individual form, things getting away from them. They all play into an uncertainty in your in your top two inches, whether 
rather than just say, look, let's settle down. Let's put the ball in behind them. We've a better fit. We've, we know we've a more physical game than them up front. We know we've a better tight five. Let's play to our strength. I think that Ireland were guilty of kind of panicking a bit too early and and playing into their hands, you know, a yeah. little bit. We've had like, you know, I don't want to be, this is nothing to do with Rory Best really, but we're missing still a kind of a Paul O'Connell character yeah. to sort of like Roy Best is a very different kind of captain, different type of captain. and which is great in its own way, but no. we needed a Paul O'Connell. We need, or, or yeah. a Johnny Sexton, someone that's just going to not take any more. But if Jack Carty's there in position, sure. Like for me, the disappointing factor is, okay, Jack Carty is a, a third choice out half with very little experience, mm-hmm. but he's playing beside Connor Murray who should be able to, if not do it himself, then pass the message on or yeah, calm things the down. The point is this, is that, is that Ireland lack, without six in there, and they lack somebody in the back line that has that experience and who's going to talk up, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Gary Ringrose is a quiet kind of a, a quiet kind of guy naturally. Robbie Henshaw is a quiet sort of guy naturally. Bundy Arkey is a quiet sort of guy yeah. naturally. Stockdale, isn't. Keith Earls. Yeah. yeah, they're all quiet kind of guys. And what you need in that situation is exactly right, spot on. You needed an O'Gara, a Sexton or O'Connell. I remember that game just going, how that played out perfectly. In the same way, I remember going over to a Munster match where they beat Harlequins at home and they weren't meant to. First half was going completely wrong, trying to play this wide game that Rob Penny had brought in. Suddenly at halftime, you just said, Paul O'Connell and Ronogar, he just pointed to Ronogar, put the ball in the, in, in the corner. I'll do the rest. The team will do the rest. And they got back into the game. And they won it against the odds. That is exactly what Ireland needed in the, in the, in the second half, about 10, 15 minutes in the second half. When they were being rattled, they needed someone to, to, to say exactly what you said, to, to get everybody in together and say, hold on. You know, we're still the better team, which I believe they were. We're still yeah. the better team. We're just not performing to our strengths and we're playing into their strengths. So let's just slow it down. Let's get the ball in the corners. Let's dominate at line-out time and let's get things back on track. And I think that would have happened. They just got caught up in the sort of spider web that was the panic, a team coming at you, a team believing they could win. You look back now in retrospect, and everything's in retrospect. We all sit around here and say, you know, should have done this. But I thought it was slightly at a time, I sat next to, to the, the guy beside me, an Irish guy, and I said, I said, Ireland should be taking their three points here now, the penalty. They were 12, what, 12-3 up? Yeah. They didn't. They went to the corner. Now, it didn't result in the try. It didn't result in anything. In fact, it was a turnover, something like that. That 15 points of th- to three, given that, given that Japan had missed a couple of kicks at goal at that stage, that 15 points of three, I still believe, would have been enough of that cushion for them to push on. Suddenly, I think Japan came down the field, what, they got a penalty, so suddenly it became 12-6, then it became 12-9. Then you're in a game. But look, that's easy, that's easy to say, because had they gone down there and got the score, people would have said it's the right decision. Mm. I just thought that Ireland thought at times. Now, they're on top for the first 20 minutes and playing quite well. You know, yeah. Carty was going well, Ringrose was, was, was back to his best, and we started to think this is going to be a landslide, then bang, you know. Such a such an unbelievable contrast between the first oh, 20 minutes and the last 60, wasn't it? Different games. Like, oh, if but you it was, weren't a neutral, if you were neutral there and you didn't know the colours of Ireland or Japan, which, you know, yeah. nobody in the world can know that, you would have said that, you would have said that Japan are the team that are ranked two or three in the world now, not the Irish. They just, they lost their way. 
Yeah, we never even really like. I know, I know, we got like a, a, the pick and drives where they eventually gave a penalty. And we're on the try line, but they never had a phase. They never had an, a, a, no. a part of the game where it looked like they went top. I do. I'm very interested in your point about the, the quiet backs and even the quiet forwards in a way. Like you're old school yeah. rugby guy, right? And there is always a different. You know, there's always that sort of. of there's, the, there's the new era of professionalism. Is there a party of the things that? This Ireland team is almost too professional. It's too almost by the numbers, and everybody does their job. Whereas we probably need a bit of an arsehole in there to be sure to, to you know Johnny does it a bit, and I suppose he, it's almost because he it. stands out in the modern game. It. Whereas the old team would have had seven or eight of those lads just sniping at guys. Well, absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, you go back to the days of Peter Clossey and Mick Galway and these guys. They would have rallied people around them. Yeah. Uh, to perform, and 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 that in that regard. Japan had that. Michael Michael Lech is that type of player. He is that type of go forward player that just says, "Give me the ball. I'll get over the game and I'll get things going." And you're right. I always used to love playing with a scrum half that was sniping, giving out, out half that was giving out, moaning, something like that, because you knew where you stood. I, I just think, I just think oh, Ireland's backline on mass without those experienced guys in there are just too quiet. Mm. They're not dragging. You know, you get other teams, will gra- a guy will grab another guy by the collar. Wales will do that. Yeah. You know, Wales, oh, yeah. Wales yeah. will grab a guy by the collar and push him and say, that's who you're looking after. That's who you're looking after. So yeah. so there's a lot to be said for that. And um, we always did before. Like Shane Horgan would never shoot up during the game. Brian O'Driscoll, obviously, no, as well. We always had, so had all around the field. Always, like, always yeah. chat and Rona Gar. Of course, yeah, you had course. three guys. You, 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 you had three guys in that era, Shane Horgan being one, yes, Brian O'Driscoll being two, uh, Gordon Darcy at times, although it was probably a little bit quiet on the field, and of course Ronan O'Gara. Mm. You had three or four guys to say, hold on, I'm not giving you the ball. I'm putting the ball in the corner. Whether you're screaming for it or not, I'm not giving it to you. Yeah. Unfortunately for Jack Carty, he's trying to play all roles. One, he's trying to play out of his skin himself to get, get a start. Two, he's trying to play to some sort of pattern he's been given. Three, he's trying to look after the other players inside and outside him. And it's too much when things start going wrong. It's it, it's too it's it's too much responsibility for an inexperienced player. And I mean, I think that showed. Uh, I, uh, Joey Carberry was right in a sense to kick the ball dead for the bonus point, but not right in the context of where you think Ireland are. If you know what I mean, yeah. because because a year ago they would have said, "Hold on." We're confident enough to carry that ball the whole length of the field and score and get a draw out of this. We're confident enough. So it really showed at that stage the fight had gone out of them and they were admitting Mm. defeat. Now, psychologically, you know, yes, again, you can turn around and say, well, that bonus point could could be crucial, but it's not going to be in the shake-up of things. Now, not to know that before, but to me it always singles... It's like... It's like someone sort of thinking that they can't win the fight, you know, if they win the last round in a boxing match or something. You know, if they're going for a knockout and they, somebody's ahead on points for so much that it needs a knockout, you either it takes two types of fighter. One says, hey, I'm going for the knockout. You know, that's the only way I'm yeah. going to win this. Or the other one sort of says, okay, well, I'm, I, I'm not going to win, so I'll, I'll kind of pad around the last round and get out of this without injury. And I just... I was just sitting there and I thought, no, keep keep the ball. Yeah. Something can break here and you can get back into this and you can score an 80-metre an try and you can get out of it with a draw. Still, the moral win would have been would have been the Japanese, but still, a draw would have been a lot different to, to a loss. And when you go back on that, they were lucky that Keith Earls tracked back 
to make oh, yeah. that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because then yeah. the game was absolutely gone. Then there was no chance of a bonus point. But it's just psychologically top two inches really comes into into play. The other thing I'd, 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 quick, I'd quickly talk about that is a, a huge factor in the game in Japan is the ball. You know, it, it's become so slippery. And for the first receivers, the time it's taken them to actually pull the, the ball into the into the midriff rather than risk putting it on their fingertips has made handling very, very difficult. And even the top teams, England, uh, you know, New Zealand, Australia, Wales, they're all making uncharacteristic handling errors, as did Ireland, because of the humidity and because the ball is taking up so much moisture. It's not like a wet ball where it becomes kind of heavy. And it, 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 it's become an extremely slippery ball. Um, and it, it, it's just reflecting in the way that some teams are trying to play it because you see the first receiver having to make sure that they get it into their stomach first and then pull it out and then lodge it again. So that's having a lot of slow down play um, in, in, in that capacity. But I think, yes, there's obviously changes made for Russia, and I would like to think that the changes are made for the best possible reason, that is that if players perform out of their skins, that they think that they've got a chance to make that starting 15. Because yeah. I don't think there's any point in changing selection if you're not going to say to those players, hey, look, you have an opportunity. You play, you play an outstanding game here and we're going to have to look at you. And I think that's the way it's got to be if you're going to try to keep a squad together. You don't want to disband the squad, nor do you want to drop players on the basis of a game, but nor do you want to select players that had great form two years ago and our automatic selections. And I think that he's got to look at the composition of his back three and the composition of his loose forward trio for start for starters. Mm. Yeah, I suppose the, 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 the hope would be that nobody feels like they're guaranteed their place because that seemed to be one of the issues that was there in 2007, which was, you know, the last time Ireland had... Well, I think a it's a bit of an issue World after Cup. Scotland, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it's a bit of an issue after Scotland. I think that, that Ireland fell into that trap. Yeah. Selected a strong pack... The, the, the guts of the same pack that played against Scotland. That's what he started with again. And, you know, so you've got to give an opportunity to somebody else to force their way into that. So I think I think you're right. I think they did probably think that there were certainties if they were playing South Africa the following week that they would be, or New Zealand, that they would be the selected few. But I think that's changed slightly in a couple of positions. Sure, it has to. If there's not, we're not going to learn anything, I suppose, from the Russia game tomorrow or the Samoa oh. game next week. And no matter if it's New Zealand or South Africa, it's yeah. out of our hands, but we're not going to know. There you go. It's out of your hands. That's the big, that's the big problem. I was talking yeah. about it's now out of your hands. It's Absolutely. in Japan's hands and Scotland's hands. Yeah. But if, you know, ultimately we are going to have to play a quarterfinal, yeah. what can we do over, what can Schmidt do? What can the players do over these two games to, it, I, we can't change the we can't change the the, no. the makeup of the squad. We can't change the way the, no, no. the the quietness or the the lack of the dog or whatever in there. But they can change their styles. They can change set moves and they can change their confidence level. Which is the thing for me is that I wonder: is this team's confidence shot? Can they believe what's happened? Considering where they were twelve no, months ago. No, but I mean they believed it enough after the after the kick in the in the rear against England. Believed enough to come back and beat you know Wales home and away. So you know it's not the first time that I have lost and 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 gone in. And I still believe I still believe positively on a positive note that on their day, on their day, Ireland, as we know, are capable of beating any team in the world. Mm. But they need to be 
you're right, full-on confidence, put this behind them, put this behind them now and say, look, that's just that's just a blip. The problem, I think, going back to what I said before, repeating myself, yes, they can, but but here's, here's the dilemma. What is, what is Joe now looking like? How is he looking at playing that potential quarterfinal team? Because I don't believe that Ireland are good enough without a set game plan against a team. Some, some teams like the All Blacks in their pomp, or England even when they're going well, sometimes don't need a game plan, you know, because they dictate the game plan, if you know what I mean. They say, look, we don't care how the other team play. As long as we can play the way that we want to, we win these matches. I don't think you can do that against New Zealand or South Africa. I think you've got to have a game plan as how you attack them. Where do you t- attack s- South Africa? I would suggest you try to create play like New Zealand. You try to move their big pack around like Japan did to Ireland. You try to take the physicality out of the game and you try to create play. So you try to get width and space on the ball. Now that takes experience. It takes a different type of player to bring that. That's, that's one game plan. If you play that way against New Zealand, you're going to lose. Because against New Zealand, I suggest that you've got to stop the creative play. You've got to shut down the Bowden Bouts, the Richard Moangas. You've got to stop down there playing two. That's how you do it. And you do it with defence and you do it with physicality. So what I was saying is the problem is Joe is not going to know that until after the Japanese game. Yeah, a week whereas, to go. whereas he might have not, he might have felt that, he, even though he might not have been saying to the players, he might have been sitting with his captain and his management team and said, OK, let's have a close look at Gene, uh, Gene Klein because we're going to need his physicality against South Africa. We've seen they were a big pack, but we saw how New Zealand beat them. They absorbed all that pressure and then they created things. OK, he may now be looking. That's why I mean to say it's difficult for him now because if you're looking at creating play, then you're possibly looking at a, a different back three. You're possibly looking at, you know, does he look at Conway, who, who was in good form? Uh, you know, if he's have another a storming game. Whereas what you'd say against South Africa, for instance, is that you need a guy like Rob Carney who's going to be safe at the back first. So it's thrown a real, it's thrown a real mix into how Joe... How, how, how Joe views this. You're right. We're not going to learn much against Russia and... and, and and some are. The only good thing, again, on a positive, trying to keep, you know, trying to keep it positive and negative, is that I felt that that Ireland weren't even tested at all by Scotland. Well, they got their test and some against Japan, so they've had that hard match at least. Mm. My fear was going into against South Africa, confident, yes, um, psychologically, saying we beat Scotland, we whipped Japan, we we whipped Russia, we beat Samar. Come on, bring on, bring on the South Africans. The South Africans looking and say, well, we had our Bum smacked against New Zealand. We went back and we worked on that for the for for the next four weeks because Erasmus talks about that. He says we played New Zealand first up match. We hope we might play them again and we'll learn. And what did they learn from that match? They learned to go away and train a bit different. And they, so they're now they're now looking to who their quarterfinal is going to be. Yeah. Um, and they won't know either. But you know, so that so so that's the situation. What do you learn from it? You know, you possibly learn that Johnny Sexton is the only player that really has, you know, his name written there. Clearly, they need him. Um, what's happened with Robbie Henshaw? When does he get to play? That's a yeah. concern because, you know, he's going to only have one match. Are you getting to the stage now where you have to question the decision? Like, Gary Ringrose is going to play his third game in a row. He's played every yeah, minute of the exactly. World Cup. And you're thinking, like, we're carrying this guy is he going to be just thrown in in the quarterfinals? Should we have to, like, no matter how important you are, if you're not available for three weeks, can we carry you in a 31-man well, squad Jesse with 14 backs? Jesse Creel's gone home with a, with a hamstring strain that they said probably would be okay. Yeah. But why risk it? My concern is it's soft tissue. So 
psychologically sprinters will tell you you know if a hamstring or a calf strain suddenly you you tear off and you, you psychologically in the back of your mind you're thinking of the pain or you're thinking you know something could go wrong could could cut my career short um and that plays on you that plays on your psyche so you know this you 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 want him back and having said that Joey Carberry did come on look like he wasn't carrying any injury of any, of any sorts and yeah. I think that I think that Creel Creel also leaving the South African camp is a big loss to them defensively. He's a big he's a big name player for them. Not a great creator, but then they don't have great creative centres. But I think I think uh, Joe also has to look at the composition of his back three and having played in all three loose forward positions, I don't think that combination is right. I think that CJ Standers proved enough over the last two games for me to say that he's better as a secondary ball carrier. He's better than front line. Uh, when you're a number eight, you, you're, 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 you're front of house as far as ball carry. You've got to get over the gain line. That is your job. As a number six, you can be a bit wider. You can range a bit wider, more like a Serge Betson type of guy that can, you know, and I think out there, uh, CJ Standers is making more of an impact. Um, so you might look at swapping that combination. I don't think it's helped by Jack Conan going Definitely home not, because no. he might have added that that number eight play. So he he'll be watching Geordie Murphy. I think Peter Armani um, in his own in his own mind uh, it needs to rediscover that form of about a year ago. I think he's great in the lineup. We know that, but we need more turnover work from all the loose forwards. So there's a few areas there's a few areas that Joe has to have a close look at, and that may raise its head over these next two games. Yeah, and we'll see how it goes, and we'll talk about it again a little bit next week. Mm. But it's it's uh, it's unfortunate, I suppose, that's gone this way. But there is still a long way to go in the World Cup, yeah. Well, people have short memories, don't they? Because because uh, Tonga beat France, I think, in Dunedin in, in, in that World Cup, in the 19, what, the 2011 World Cup in New Zealand, and should have won that final, even as a New Zealand. They should yeah. have won that. They deserved to win that final. Yeah. Uh, they won that. I think England lost a match, didn't they? Were walloped by South Africa and then ended up uh, South Africa. Sorry, beat South England. Africa lost to final. Japan. So look, and they're going to get to qualify. And everybody's saying, "Oh, don't don't say that. Don't say don't pay the hex." I'm telling you, Ireland are going to get to a quarter final. And I'm telling you, in my opinion, they would prefer that to be against South Africa and Scotland beat Japan. Then that's the game that they would have always had anyway. Yeah. I, I suppose Ireland have never had one of these defeats in a World Cup so they lost to Argentina they very, got very close to Georgia, well, in, Georgia in, in 2007 but they won it maybe I think as well and uh, they hmm. lost to Argentina who were kind of only coming as a tier one in 99 hmm. but it was still like that was a good Argentina team with Contepomi and everyone that oh, we, yeah. we later discovered were tier one but they've never lost a, yeah. a game like this before it's it is hard to kind of come to terms with you know but I suppose you do look at what South Africa did really hard because if they go out of the quarterfinal this this World Cup would have been a disaster absolutely yeah yeah exactly there is still time to turn around I do want to have one more question actually because I want to ask you about the rest of the World Cup but before I do right you're mentioning the quarterfinals against South Africa and you're saying earlier that like Ireland can beat any team under day yeah. one of the things we've been talking about a lot over the course of the week and I've heard a lot of different people talk about it is that Ireland can beat anybody on their day and by on their day that means that if the game is played on our terms yeah. like it was against Scotland like it was even 12 yeah. months ago against New Zealand but is any top team dumb enough now <laughs> to play the game on our terms when we really haven't changed who we are in um, 24 months maybe even 4 years point, you could that argue was the point I was making wasn't it? I yeah. said that you know if you are confident enough 
as Ireland were in 2018. If you're confident enough to say, we don't really care to a certain degree. I mean, obviously, you've got to tactically prepare for different teams. But what you say is, we don't really care what another team comes at us with. We will play our style of rugby and, you know, that'll be good enough. I think you're right. I think that confidence has been shaken a bit in the in the two England defeats, the first one in the in the Six Nation, when they thought suddenly they would go out and they would beat England. Suddenly they got well beaten, and then yeah. it happened again in England in, in, in England again. So I think I think you're right. I think that that confidence you need to win a World Cup has probably ebbed away, and it's probably ebbed away a bit more now against Japan. Yeah, I suppose I'm asking though as well as, as I completely agree with you, and you're 100 percent right. way that Ireland are playing? But I suppose is have we been found out? Is what I'm asking. Like so, if, like you know, they thought Japan. They talked about like that they've been targeting for two years. Great, I understand that. That's brilliant by Joseph, right? But like, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it, I think some of that is Ireland's doing I, because I think they've maybe moved away from what they were good at. I mean, Johnny Sexton was World Player of the Year in 2018. Joe Schmidt was World Coach of the Year in 2018. Mm. You don't become a bad player or a coach overnight. So something has happened along the way to strip this team of the confidence. Because on paper, you know, half of that Irish team, half that Irish team would, 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 would make it, would have made a, a World 15 a couple of years ago. So if the ability is there and you believe that the coach is there, then what is missing? And I think what is missing, you said before, is a bit of confidence that they can go all the way and win consistently against teams. And we talk about that being able to beat any team on their day. Yes, that's true. But can they go? Well, they can't because you would have said they're going to have to go through five or six games to win a World Cup unbeaten mm. because no team, you know, the, the odds are not the odds are stacked against losing a pool match and, because no team has ever lost a pool match and gone on to win it. Um so when I'm saying that Ireland are good enough to beat any team on their day, they're going to have to do it the hard way. And you you look at the you look at the difference in the camps now that the confidence is slightly shorn in the in the in the spring step that there'll be the Welsh training runs this week, as opposed to Australia, as opposed to Ireland, because suddenly it becomes a let's fix this. How do we fix it? How quickly can we fix it? What do we do? So yeah. they'll be having think tank meetings. You know what do we get? They'll be saying on the one. You see, what people out there don't get is the psyche. The psyche of top athletes and the psyche is to straight away semi panic, kind of straight away look for answers. There's not many athletes that can just say, "Look, we we'll box that off. That was a loss and that was disappointing, but we're going to move on now." There's not many that can do that. They can say it on paper and they can say it so hard, but it's so hard to yeah. actually do because it's it's what is the difference between the elite athletes or the elite teams and the and the other teams or the silver medalists or the bronze medalists mm. or the, the coming forth, it's all the top two inches and it's all the way that you look at it. Yeah. What do you learn from it? Do you still learn from it? Will it be good enough? Time will tell. I still believe, I still believe, which I've always believed. I think that'll be that that'll be Ireland. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Ireland versus South Africa and which single I think Ireland can win that match and get to a semi-final. After there, I'm not so sure. Against New Zealand, I'm not so sure. But yeah. I think if they get that South African draw that I've always fancied, then I think Ireland get the semi-final. Yeah, okay. Semi-final against Wales, maybe. <laughs> yeah, which, which could then... Be. No, but then becomes... Then becomes, you can see Joe Schmidt's team talk. We've beaten them before. We beat them a couple of weeks ago. We don't need to fear them. I think we have a better team on paper. Suddenly that plays into your confidence. That opposed to the confidence of going and saying, look, hey, 
We've beaten New Zealand, but we've never beaten them all, well, apart from Chicago, take the way. We've never beaten them in New Zealand. We've never beaten them at a World Cup. You know, we've beaten them twice, but that's taken 120 years to do it. You're probably thinking, look, we're going to have to play absolutely out of this skin. Mm. But that's all the psyche of sport. How have you enjoyed the rest of the World Cup? You were at uh, you were at the New, New Zealand Springboks game, which Fantastic. is class. You were at both Ireland matches. There's been some re- there's been some okay oh, games really? besides the Wales uh, Australia oh, game was so fantastic, that, that, wasn't it? The France uh, Argentina. Yeah, I think I think it's been better than we thought. Timing hasn't helped. You know, no. you, you I came back here and I you kind of thought, you know, unusual World Cup years. Everybody's talking about the World Cup. There's not much in the papers because people are having to get up at. And because there was expectation that this wouldn't happen, you know, yeah. suddenly there's more interest in this Russian game than I've ever seen before. Because <laughs> most of, most of my friends and people I know said, "Look, you know, beat Japan. Yeah, I might get up. Uh, you know, I might take that Russian match. I'm certainly not going to take a day off work. Uh, then the last match against Smart, and then we'll we'll tee up for the quarterfinal. As far as that game's concerned, I've been really pleasantly surprised about the performances of the of the of the so-called minnows i think that if you look at the form of some of those teams coming into a team i think i think jersey beat uh, 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 russia or something like that mm. and actually they performed quite well the uruguay uh, win against fiji was fantastic so i think they've done really well i know new zealand whipped canada uh, you know today so that's probably been the biggest win but other than that I think it was only one fifty point when that was South yeah. Africa, but so it's been closer than that. I, I think you know you're going to probably the two upsets are going to be Japan, unfortunately, signed and Uruguay against Fiji, and I think that's about as far as that's going to go. I don't see there being any upsets apart from the minnows playing each other and, mm. and, and maybe getting one over them. But Would you see any hope for Argentina against England this week? Because Argentina have to win after losing their first game. It's a, such a massive ass, but they're out. I'd be surprised. Don't. I'd be surprised. I don't think England have hit their straps at all. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, I know they talk up a big game. I don't think they've been particularly, I don't think they've been particularly impressive. They have been in parts. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's Argentina were desperately unlucky in the sense in that French game, and and that's the pool of death. Mm. Um, and you know you certainly wouldn't have been Ireland. You wouldn't have wanted to be Ireland that pool and losing losing to because you wouldn't you wouldn't have a chance to get back out of it. So I think I think probably I, no, I I don't see Argentina beat, beating England. Are they capable of it? Yes, we know they're a good World Cup side. Don't see them don't see them winning that. France even today cracking team on paper. Yeah. On paper, you know, Pickamoles was back. You know, some of their some of their forwards and their backs are massive. They just don't gel. They're just France, really, aren't no, they? All the time, France, they keep they, doing it. They just don't do the. I mean, the passing today, the the losing the ball. I think they gave away about nine or ten penalties in the first half. They just, you know, when you've got so many talented players like that. But yeah. see, the conditions for them, it's a nightmare. You know, if if the ball sticks with France, as we know. They can be brilliant. If it doesn't stick, mistake after mistake after mistake. But um, and ironically enough, New Zealand have focused most. Of I was talking to a couple of the uh, ex All Blacks that have been into the uh, training camps and whatever, and the All Blacks have been placing most of their work on ball skill sets. They know that the ball is slippery, and they made a few mistakes today. They've been concentrating on that. Uh, now they've been lucky enough that they've been able to have a 10 days or whatever without another game to concentrate yeah. that but they're feeling the effects of the, the humidity and, 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 the, and the slippery ball as well so but uh, I think they've probably been yeah I, I, over the two games they've probably been the most impressive side at the moment at the moment yeah, yeah. 
Okay, I think, uh, I don't know, I feel a little bit better after that chat, I think. Okay. <laughs> I think so. Um, Brent, you're going to be, uh, we're going to be seeing you pop up on uh, on TV now that you're back in the country. We'll be seeing you on RT over seeing the course tomorrow, of the next... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, getting back and sparring with the lads. So, uh, yeah, it's good of it. But I'm delighted I was in Japan. I, I, I thought about it a while. I thought, well, I go over for those matches, but... Haven't gone over again. I'll just finish as I started. You had to be at that match to believe that the way that the Irish supporters acted. You had to be it and you had to see it. You had to see firsthand everybody shaking hands and everybody bowing to the Japanese and saying, well done. They showed the respect back that they got in the first place. They showed the respect back, but it was the thing that meant the most. It wasn't just all one way and kind of, okay, well, this is what we should do. It was a genuine feeling from everybody there that you turn around to the Japanese supporter beside you and you say, well done, and you shout in that way. And that just went through, rippled right through the whole crowd. It rippled that whole night, the Japanese coming up and bowing and respect and that. And it was just wonderful. And it's wonderful to see that, you know, Crowds move to tears and, st- you know, the Japanese just on their haunches or whatever, on their knees. I mean, just crying with outward show of emotion about how their team had done. And, and I thought, you know, that's when sport, you know, people say that winning is everything. Sometimes winning is not everything. Sometimes mm. it's about how you play the game that is remembered. Uh, Ireland will go on to better days, as I said, I'm sure, um, and better days in this competition. But it's, it's, it's how you play the game, win or lose, that's important to me. And that's what made it so emotional. Perfect. We'll chat to you next week, Brian. Thanks a million for coming in. Thank you. See you now. This podcast is brought to you by Balls of E in association with Carry Out Off Licence. Ireland's number one independent off-license.